Hey, it's Gavin. Welcome to uh, Four Friends and Family Podcast. It's now Friday, March 27th. This COVID thing is going on. It's 3.10 in the p.m. here in Los Angeles, and I'm in Venice Beach, as I always am. And on the Skype with me right now is my friend Steve Weinberg. He runs a mobile veterinary practice here in Los Angeles, and I thought he could give us some insight into what we can be doing with pets. Also, some of the stories he has, which are sort of insane. Um, So welcome to the podcast, Steve. Thank you so much for having me, Gavin. Okay, so let's get right to it. We've known each other a long time, and uh, we play hockey together. Thank you for inviting me to your team. And uh, I wanted to just, what's it like out there for pet owners? Let's just start off with what are some of the things that they need to be considering around the coronavirus? Because I understand, and I'm not sure it's confirmed, but you being a doctor or a vet, you can tell me, are, are can pets get the coronavirus? They cannot actually get our version of the coronavirus right um they can apparently there was a dog in hong kong that they tested that got it uh basically in its nose and i believe that's because it was direct contact with the owner not necessarily infecting it's what we call a fomite okay a fomite is anything that uh can transmit germs just by contact so not necessarily getting into the body, replicating and infecting another creature. Oh, so it didn't infect it, but it was in the nose is what you're saying. Correct. Oh, okay. Correct. So, so it wasn't in the bloodstream. It, it didn't. And that's what they were talking about. Cause I was curious about that. I didn't think that they, that it could, but I guess it did jump species, right? It came from, you know, in your, with your veterinary knowledge, like what, what happened? It, it went from a bat to a person. Do they, do you know, like inside your world of talking to other vets, do we actually know what happened here? Well, just by the research that I've done, and I'm sure many people have done, it, it crossed species from, I think they're pretty sure it came from an animal called a pangolin, oh, okay. which which looks like a little armadillo, and apparently it's in this wet market in China, mm-hmm. and it's one of the one of the animals they like to eat, you know, I, just along with bats. Yeah. It may have come from a bat, too. I'm not sure, yeah. but I, I'm pretty sure they identified it from a pangolin. Oh, wow. So what are you seeing out there in Los Angeles? I mean, you are a mobile veterinary practice. Um, if you want to check out what Steve does, he's at 911vets.com. That's 911vets. He also has a new app called PryVet. Um, uh, so if you're not in Los Angeles, he, he won't be able to help you. Uh, but Steve's a, a pretty genuine guy. He might even do a phone call consult. But what are you hearing? Like, First of all, let me ask, what protection are you wearing when you go out there? You sent me a picture and you seem to have yeah. a lot of stuff on. But what do you have to wear when you go into someone's room? Aren't you at serious risk? Well, we we take several measures. Obviously, we want to minimize the contact with other human beings as much as possible. Social distancing, as they call it. Physical distancing, I like to call it. Uh, that's the main part. So we try not to come in direct contact with people. If we have to go into their house... And that's going to be mainly for cats because mm-hmm. cats don't like to be put outside to examine them. Right. So we do go to the home and we will examine the, most dogs outside. If we can't get them up, we will go in the house. But aside from that, we stay our distance from people. We don't touch their belongings. We do wear an N95 mask. We wear gloves. Are you having a hard time getting those N95 masks? I hear they're like out everywhere. Well, fortunately, I have some friends that uh, offered some up to me. Um, I actually had a guy visit me uh, at my door on recommendation of another friend, 
who brought me uh, 80 masks from, I guess they're from China, but uh, he sold them. And he's like making, it's a second job for him. And he's going around yeah. selling to people who need them or not. Uh, did you have to buy them or did he give them to you? Oh my God, I bought them. Yeah, oh, I mean, how much did they he's cost? He's making some money on They ended up being two fifty each. $2.50. Okay, so yeah, what would they normally cost you? On them. I remember getting some from Home Depot, and I, I had some because I was sanding some paw prints we make for for uh, aftercare for paw, for pets that have died. Mm -hmm. uh, and the I got some of those N95s, and I remember it's probably like 25 bucks for 10 of them. So okay. it's probably about the same as what they are. Although the ones I have are 3M. These are from China. And they actually had no name of, of any kind of uh, company on it. But you can look up the code word, and it says it's from China. And apparently, these are the type they were using and manufacturing in giant amounts. So, And do, you, and do, do they feel the same as a 3M? So if I were to get a China one, I would, would you feel comfortable as a doctor saying, yeah, this is probably the same thing? Um, I'm not as comfortable, I'll be honest with you. I, I actually don't even know if the, how legit these are, knowing that everything from China could be iffy. Yeah. Uh, but it appears to be something that would uh, work. So it's a very fine fibers. It's supposed to block out up to three microns. Mm -hmm. A virus is one micron. Now, there, it's like saying, I heard someone say, uh, with the three micron pore and a one micron virus, it's like having multiple uh, football players run through one door at the same time to get your, to the lunch meal. Right. So, uh, so it'll slow them down, obviously. But they could still but, get through, though. Uh, technically, yes, but you're going to need to be in a high concentration of that, and people that are at risk are, you know, they're coughing and they're going to have aerosol. Uh, viruses. Have you but been to any? Have you been, have you been to any houses that have had the coronavirus where they've said, "Hey, no. we because because I guess the testing is not up to snuff here in Los Angeles on the here on the twenty seventh. I know it's supposed to be ramping up, but I guess next week no. there's going to be a lot more testing. So we obviously we screen people. You know, we will call the dispatcher. will ask them if if they have any symptoms, they have a fever, they're sick in any way. We're not going to go there. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Uh, but if there's this period of time where people are infectious and not, don't even know it, right. and that could be, you know, five days, who knows? And so that's why we take the precautions just in case I feel pretty safe. You know, they, they say, I, I listened to a one hour video from a doctor in Cornell, uh, university or, uh, out, out in, uh, New York where they're seeing only COVID patients. And I feel pretty confident that the main way you get it is if you touch something or hmm. a person and then you touch your face okay so the masks are actually great to prevent you from touching your face oh. they may not help you at all unless you're a medical worker in a place where there are covid patients right and so as far as veterinary medicine you know we have we've been taking all these different measures and I, i've been speaking to my colleagues uh, that have brick and mortars and what they're doing is they're doing uh, pick up the dog from the car, uh, bring them into the hospital. No one goes in the hospital. They treat the animal. They bring them back to the car. So it slows down everything, and it makes it really hard to go through a lot of patients and help them out. But that is, that's the method it seems like most clinics are doing. And we're just doing the opposite of that. We're, 
if we have to go in the house, we're going to gown up, you know, not gown up, mask and, and gloves. Yeah. And we disinfect and uh, we're, we're still busy as hell uh, to help people out. A lot of house call vets that I know are taking the time off. In fact, some of the brick and mortar vets are taking a lot of time off right now. They just don't want, they just don't want to deal with it. Um, have you, what are some tips? Like if, if someone's got a cat or a dog or, um, a hamster or whatever, what are you telling people that, you know, that, that, that they should be doing, uh, some tips and tricks to, to make sure that their, ha- their animals are dealing with this. And uh, cause I, I'm, ass- I'm assuming the animals are pretty good for people right now, keeping them emotionally stable and all that sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. what, what are some of the things that people can be doing for their pets? I, th- I think, you know, overall, there's probably not a whole lot of difference for the animals, except for the fact that the people are home now. Yeah. And <laughs> I've heard from a lot of cat owners is the cats are kind of pissed off that you're there so much. <laughs> the dogs are happy. The cats yeah. are like, get out of here. Dude, you know? when are you leaving? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, you, you go on the street and, you know, I'm out all the time and I see more people on the street with their dogs. I'm worried about the people. It's like, you you know, don't congregate. Don't hang yeah. out with each other with your dog on the corner like the old days. Yeah. And you know, everyone's out walking and a lot of, there's so many dogs out right now. What's uh? what are some stories? Like, what are some of the, like in, in your day, like how many, how many people do you go and see? It really varies. You know, I'll, uh, some days I'll see two. Other days I'm out all day and into the night seeing, you know, 12 patients right. or more. Uh, we have obviously a lot less because we've got to drive places. Yeah. But, but, but driving uh, must be great for you right now, right? I mean, oh like, my God. It, it's changed your whole business. <laughs> I am so – that's the happiest part about this whole thing is that it's like 3 in the morning all the time. You know, we can drive anywhere. I can go up and down Barrington where it's like jammed at five o'clock and no one's out. Or I can go on the 405 freeway to the valley and back in, in 24 minutes. You know, this is unheard of. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, you're, you're going into people's houses. What, what are you what are you hearing from people? How are people dealing with this? Like what what's your overall like what are some of the stories that you you've seen? Is there anything like are people losing it or are people just just chilling out? Like I, I haven't left my house in like a couple of weeks now, so I, yeah. I don't really know what's going on out there. And I live completely online so yeah. I can sort of see it from there. But you're actually going and seeing people. How are people dealing with all this? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I think a lot of people have uh, pivoted and have begun working at home. So a lot of the businesses have gone to Skype and and, uh, Zoom and Google Hangouts and whatever, and just working at home online is the best they can. Obviously, there are other people that are just basically on on unemployment. I have a guy that uh, worked at Pavilions, and he's like still working. But then you have people that are restaurants, work at restaurants, mm. and they're trying to work and they're doing the takeout. But there are a lot of people that are, you know, on unemployment. You know, three point six million signed up the other day, right? Wow. It's unheard of. So we do have that, and, and the, 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 the side effect of that is a lot of people can't afford pet care, and uh, probably putting it off um, as well, just because they need to eat. Yeah. But as far as being, you know, cooped up at home, yeah, there's a lot of stress. You know, they're home with their kids. 
are people are people busy. treating you differently like do they do they, do they do they do you feel is there like other than the driving around does it feel any different than when you turn up at a person's house than it used to do people are people more anxious or people are are have variable um caution uh i've had people you know come to uh come out of their house and say we're going in the backyard and they have gloves on and a mask and they don't they hand me hand me the dog with the leash and I'm happy to just hang, you know, do it that way. But then there are other people that don't seem as concerned, mainly because I'm walking in with masks and gloves. Right. And we've already prepped them that we're going to handle it differently and uh, just take care of their pet and get out of there as fast as we can mm-hmm. and not, not to hang out. You know, I, I actually don't really feel any fear of going into people's houses mm-hmm. uh, using, using this. Um, yeah, what are you most afraid of? Most afraid of, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm 61. I'm on blood pressure medication. I'm a risk group. I obviously don't want to come near anyone that has it or is harboring it. Yeah. But I got to do what I got to do. You know, I, people are very, very appreciative. Yeah, why aren't you? I mean, why, they, yeah, why aren't you taking the time off like everyone else? Why do you feel? Is it an obligation? Is it a give back to the community? I mean, it seems really risky for you. Well, it's not as risky as it is for human doctors and, yeah. uh, and, and having to deal with patients. Um, I'm I'm not terribly worried. Uh, it's a it's a hassle. I feel a lot more anxious just dealing with the gear and cleaning and constantly purelling and disinfecting and worrying about touching a button on an elevator or their doorknob. You know. Yeah. So, you know, I'm constantly cleaning and, you know, that that's stressful. Yeah. But yes, I do feel an obligation to help these patients, these people out. You know, the, the animals are sick. You know, if they're sick, we're definitely going to go and help them out. It's been, we do a lot of home euthanasia. So a lot of pets are, are suffering and they can't get them in. Uh, you know, it's very difficult to, to, with the way the situation is with veterinary hospitals. So they're very, very appreciative, more than usual. You know, they're appreciative as it is that we come to the house but yeah. more than usual we're, we're seen as you know heroes pretty much you know and i i just see it as my you know day's work and it's not that much different but these are i mean the traffic yeah because pets are like people's kids sort of now and um what are some are there have, has there been anything unusual that's happened that that <laughs> that you can tell us about uh any stories that people might find interesting just while i've got you you mean just uh Dealing with basic house call stuff. Yeah, anything um, that's happened in the in, in during this this time that you know. Yeah. Well, dealing with uh, a, a cat that uh, is somewhat feral, those are a challenge. Oh, there's a lot uh, of feral cats in Los Angeles. Well, when I say feral, they're they're not used to anyone but their owner, and they just go into feral mode where they just are afraid. They so they'll run away. They'll, they don't attack. They're afraid. Uh, you know, some of them attack or try to. Yeah. But we we sedate a lot of animals that are needed for that. Not a lot, but we were able to calm them down. But those that can't be are sedated. I, I had a particular case where we had a cat that uh, was outdoor, and they had to trap it in the garage. And boy, that was a fun ride. We had to like chase the cat into the rafters around the whole place they had so much junk in the garage you can imagine moving the junk sedating the cat a little it runs away again it finally went actually into the freaking wall under these under these planks and and i i just the only reason i knew it was there is i saw the tail dangling down Uh 
and I literally pulled a plank off and sedated him. And that's the only way we could have helped this cat. It had like a, an abscess or something. Oh, really? So, so you had to do so surgery. That, yeah. We had to do a little procedure on him and, uh, wake him up and let him go back. <laughs> I mean, you, but, you, the, uh, the other side of this too, is that you, I mean, it's not really pet related, but you go inside a lot of people's houses. Like are people animals? <laughs> I just feel that whenever I, you, I go to people's, really, <laughs> you really learn the human condition. What have I you learned that, after doing oh this for so God. long? <laughs> I learned, boy, I'll just tell you the difference between an animal being brought to a vet hospital, being put on, a table, a nice clean table, uh-huh. and then you ask them about home, they're not going to tell you the truth. Okay. You know, the, it's going to be omitted. So you, you, you get to, a lot. So that's an interesting point because you get a lot of information when you go to the home. You can oh actually help treat the, ha- the, the the animal much faster because you're like, okay, <laughs> this is these people are hoarders. There's no wonder. This yeah. g- like you oh must go God. and see. You must see some crazy stuff out there. What's like one of oh, one yeah. of the craziest things you've ever seen? What's the craziest ha- house you've ever turned oh. up to? I, I went to someone who was a professor at UCLA that owned two houses, yeah, not far from your house on Venice in canals or whatever, uh, and one house had a piano in it, yeah, nothing else, and the animals weren't there. The other house was completely pack ratted from tip to you know floor to ceiling with journal unopened journals, unopened New York Times, just. Stacks oh, so stacks they were they were crap. like a real hoarder, real hoarder, and there were cats running. Like she must have had a dozen cats, and they were running in between the the papers and the boxes. And was she there crap all over the stuff. place? Oh yeah, she had stacks of stuff next to the stove. I'm like, are you kidding me, lady? You're a a, a professor, yeah, and you're a psychology. Can you get? Can so, you guess? So, well, that's that. <laughs> So the, 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 you can learn when you walk up to someone's house, you might, you may be able to tell, you can probably size up people pretty quickly by their houses. Oh, right? yeah. oh yeah. I mean, you can tell by the yard what the house is going to be like. Oh really? If it's trimmed and nice and neat, they're going to be nice and neat in the house. If it's just, you know, overgrown with weeds and not trimmed and junk outside, it's going to be a junk pack ratted house on the inside. Literally unhealthy. We went to one house the other day. This big fat chow was 130 pounds. Oh, what's a chow? A chow like a chow is a dog. Chow, a chow chow. Yeah, big. It's a, like a bear-like dog. Uh-huh. And this thing was so huge, and it had it, it was sick. And their house was so pack ratted. Every single room there was long little orange chow hair everywhere. <laughs> and the poor dog. We had a, it. It was not cooperative. And I'm, I'm trying to ultrasound it, and I plug in the ultrasound unit, and I look down under all this crap, and there's rat droppings in the house. Oh, no. Like, yes. Oh. And, I, and this, and this, this person. <laughs> and is you not know a what rat droppings person. You know what rat droppings are. Oh, yeah. I can't miss them. And, you know, this, it's like these people are not dumb. How do they live like this? How in hell do they do live like this? Do you ever ask them? Do you ever animals? ask them, like, how do, you, how do you live? Like, are they just okay and comfortable with living in a barn? They they're they're apparently fine with it. I mean, there is so much junk. If my wife walked into any of these places, yeah. she would probably have a seizure. I mean, right. it's just <laughs> she's a clean person. Have you and ever? Not, have you, yeah, but have you ever told anyone that they need to clean up their house, or you you know because it's affecting the pet? Um, it's a real touchy thing. You know, I yeah. try to focus on the pet's health. Now, if the pet's health is affected <laughs> by the environment, I'm definitely 
going to gently suggest things. Like what would you suggest to someone who's like a massive hoarder? Well, it's kind of like, it's funny. People will make excuses. Yeah. And the universal excuse of a hoarder or a pack rat is we're, we're cleaning up. I have a cleaning <laughs> person coming. We're going to organize. They preempt my disgust. <laughs> By, by stating these things. I'm sorry. I'm like, in fact, I that's should've... what that professor said to me. He said, oh, we're in the process of packing this stuff up. And, and, you're, it's be and you're like, organized. there is no way you ever have touched any of this. No. I mean, there are magazines from 1972 or something. You know, oh, Jesus. <laughs> piled okay. up. Okay. You know what? Um, I'm going to call you each week, if you don't mind, just to get a pet and animal update about during the coronavirus. Um, I really okay. appreciate your time. I don't know if we got to, because I can't remember, because I got so sidetracked with your stories. Did we, were there any tips or tricks that you should, you know, best practices? During the time? Should, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I would just say if you're walking your dog, don't congregate with other people. Okay, I mean, but... <laughs> yeah, that's one. After the hoarder um, story, <laughs> it's yeah. clear people don't listen. Yeah. Uh, don't piss off your cat by hanging out too much. You know, go go for a walk. <laughs> Let your cat have some time. Your cat needs some personal time away from you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that on that at that note, I will say thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, and I'm I'm going to follow up. This has been really interesting uh, and, and and enlightening, no question. Well, thanks so much for having me on your show, Gavin. I appreciate it.